All right, everybody. It's Monday, May 24th. David and I are recording at 5.22 p.m. The Blue Jays just took a took a shit they just they just got their heads cut off they got they got decapitated they got blasted with a sawed off shotgun to the face they shot themselves in the foot they put they put knives into their gums and cut out their teeth and then and then they sprinkled them over the the home plate i don't know we just got demolished we just got we just got we got swept by the rays right we didn't win a game no, not a game. Even before the Rays, there was there was losses. But we we have six losses in a row now. That was a four game yeah. sweep coming off of a a two game losing streak going into Tampa Bay. And some of it was like you know pulling your teeth out and getting shot with a shotgun. And some of it was like taking toenail clippers and just clipping your body over and over again and just pinching it and pulling the skin over mm-hmm. and over again right on your eyelids. Taking toenail clippers and just and just pinching your eyelid and pulling your eyelid, not even ripping the skin, just pulling the eyelid out. So you're in a vulnerable state where you're not really sure what's going to happen. And then rip, rip, rip the skin. If you're out there and your relationship is in shambles, your life, you're considering taking it, you're near a bridge or a, or a, or a balcony, you've got a weapon you're looking at like it's a cold drink on a 30 degree day we i understand what you're going through right now i understand how this team can just envelop your life and and take everything good that you feel like you have i i I woke up i i was feeling great today david I, i i had so much optimism we were we were we were going back and forth i know you weren't necessarily in the same place but uh i thought i was coming out of it and then and then and then and then who goes out there? The earthworm? It's not. Is, is it? Is it the earthworm's fault? That's a little bit his fault. He. It started things off. I, I'm. I'm not going to blame the umpire today. I'm not going to blame the umpire today too. And is it the earthworm's fault? Well, it's not. Not the earthworm's fault. But that. It, what you said is so accurate that you talked me off the ledge this morning. You know, you brought me around to uh, a Victoria Day Monday here in Canada. It's a holiday. Not that holidays even have any significance anymore. But nonetheless, it's a holiday. It's the only MLB game being played in the afternoon. And and you talked me off the ledge. And I was like, here we go. We're going to make a statement uh, in this last game against the Rays. And then we're going to go into New York with some confidence. And boys, oh boys, did that not happen. It And it, it was like each loss of all these losses, you couldn't imagine a worse way to lose. And then each new game, it was like, oh, they found a, a worse way to lose. Just like a worse, like a much worse way to lose. Yes. And this goes all the way back to the i mean we haven't we haven't done an episode we since since before the the boston series right there was some excruciating losses in that boston series i'm going back thinking about thinking about that that uh three third third strike strikeout bunt attempt in uh, against the red Sox. you remember that the the espinal the espinal bunt attempt he had three pitches to get a bunt down and he even attempted a bunt with two strikes and some of that's on espinal a lot of it's on espinal but some of that's on montoyo and i imagine we're going to get into some things we don't like about the managing of these games but i'm sure we're also going to rip some guys but if you remember what was it last wednesday 
maybe Thursday. I don't remember exactly. The Blue Jays had a game to be first place in the East. They they had an opportunity to be the best team in the American League East. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that went downhill as quick as possible. Yeah. Whose fault is it? Do I, are you just, you, it's one name, one name, one name, blame game. S- start me off with the, start me off with someone. The, right. the, who's the first person that comes to mind? His name is Bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And his name is Charlie Montoyo. Fuck Charlie Montoyo and some of his decisions, man. The, mm-hmm. Uh, we just got to get this out. And, you know, some of it's unfair. You know, a lot of it arguably is probably unfair. The pulling of Chatwood yesterday on the, in the Sunday game. Yep. Is that a good place to start the, the hate train or should we go back even further? Well, I mean, I guess it, it, things were kind of fixed because I have like, I have a note going back here where like I'm upset about the order in the game against Boston where Chatwood comes in in the high leverage, you know, the new age high leverage. It was the seventh inning. He he comes in and crushes the seventh inning. It gets out Verdugo, Martinez, and Bogarts. And uh, I guess, you know, Charlie thinks that's the most important stop. And the, uh, the, the way that he had been pitching up to that point, I feel like it's, it's a toss-up for me at that point uh, between him and Romano at the end, who I'd rather have seen. And then... Uh, and then, like, it, it, how does it make sense after that to bring in Romano in the eighth for the five, six, seven? And like, I, I, at that point, I'm like, I'm not ripping on Dolis. I just people blow saves. You know, people, people, people blow saves all the time. I get that. That happens, and you can be a great pitcher. And I wasn't, I wasn't upset about Dolis at that point, but I was upset that there's no respect at all anymore for the actual ninth inning for like the legitimate, like getting the save. It's like, if the best guys are in the order, we bring in the best guy earlier. And like, I, sometimes I can understand that, but I also think you got to give respect to the fact that people can win and lose games with one pitch in an inning. And in other games, there's still time for, for people to come back for, for Vladdy to hit home runs. You know, like, I just get, it makes me crazy. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating because I get it. I get you, you want your best pitchers to face the, the meat of the order, especially when it's a potent offense like the Red Sox. You want Chatwood 4 5 6, but I mean, arguably you would have, could have done Romano 4 5 6 too, and then you go 6 7 8. But the problem is, is that I guess there's some, and I mean, maybe this is false of me to think this, but there's some assumption that it goes 1 2 3. And then nobody gets a hit and nobody gets on and no damage is done. As yeah. if like something crazy, like Romano gives up a hit or something like that. And it's like finding the best route uh, to get to your cottage, but then you run out of gas on the freeway because as soon as that guy comes in in the ninth inning and he can't get the job, then you're fucked. You have nothing left. Mm-hmm. And there ha- and as, as you said, like there, there's a lack of respect of the difficulty of getting the job done in the in the last inning, whatever it is, if it's the ninth, tenth, eleventh, whatever it is, getting that job done is not as easy as seemingly not as easy as getting the job done in the in the seventh and the eighth. It's just mentally, because they're human beings, it's just different. It's harder. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and then we wanted we wanted to get into yesterday in Montoyo taking Chatwood out, two outs. 
I don't remember how many he had on. He, he, he. I think he loaded the bases. Uh, he, who, who's a veteran guy on your team? Who, 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 like this guy has been lights out. And so he struggled to find his command. And I get that there's a lefty coming up and you want to, you want to play the matchup, but it's again, it's like, you don't have respect for the ninth inning. You don't have respect for, I, I, I don't know, one of the most veteran guys on the team, a fucking, this, you look into his eyes and you say, do I want, do I want to lose the game with this, this like meat eater, this, 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 ah, this fucking destroyer with the thickest beard you've ever seen? Or do I want to play, play the matchup? Bring in, bring in the lefty, like, to, 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 we want to bring in, they brought in Bergen, right? That's, that's when Bergen comes in. They brought in Bergen. Bergen was the one who lit the who last. Who the fuck is Bergen? Who is this guy? Well, that's the thing. There's a reason why nobody knew who Travis Bergen was coming into the season, because he wasn't a guy that had made a name for himself in any kind of high leverage situation. And I get uh, Tyler Chatwood, you know. Does he deserve to to work through that inning? Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure the dude had like a sub one ERA uh, in the last like month going into that game last night. So then he's wild. Whatever. Who do you have that can come in after him? Apparently, there was no mm-hmm. Romano. I was surprised to see Romano today because they didn't want to use him last night. So I don't know what that was about. So then you bring in Travis Bergen and he walks the entire team. And there's no mm-hmm. more frustrating, and I'm sure it's frustrating for players. It's definitely frustrating for fans. I'm sure it's maddening and, and shameful as the pitcher themselves to just keep walking in runs and to lose the game on walking. But if he's your only guy that you have, which I'm going to assume is correct because that was what was evident in the choices that were made. If he was the only guy you have, why? Why take out Chatwood? And then people are going to like you know look at... Travis Bergen's ERA and be like, well, he's got a one six nine ERA. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that he's ready, like suited up for those kind of situations. And he also let in all of Chatwood's runs, so all yep. those runs are accountable for Chatwood and not Bergen. Even though you know that's what's weird about the way that baseball stats work. It's it's weird that Bergen gets none of those runs on his record, even though he walked everybody. Everything that you needed to know was on. Chatwood's face when Montoya went out there and he's and like I don't know what he was saying I, I, I John Boy if you ever hear this or if someone could get him on it I, I'm sure John Boy could have a field day with the last couple days of just Blue Jays you know w- between uh, Pete Walker today and all all of his ripping on the umpire and all the different stuff that has happened but seeing what whatever Chatwood's saying fuck no no you're not taking me out right now no and then you see his face. As he, as he, as Charlie's like, yep, he tries to take the ball from his hand, and then, and then Chatwood has to look out into seeing the dugout to see who, the, like, who the fuck is coming in here to take this from me, and then he sees that it's Bergen, and you just like, it's exactly how I felt. Like, really, this is the guy, and you, like, it just everything made sense in that one moment. It's incredible. <laughs> Do you think that players are intimidated by Charlie? Like, do you think that Charlie has, uh, I, there's been a couple of times when players have sort of, I don't know if shown up Charlie is the right 
the right term, but certainly not been afraid of the repercussions of Charlie. Do you think that players respect Charlie? Well, I'm sure that they respect him, but you know, when, when it's a guy that calls you kids and like everything, I mean, whatever side that we see of Charlie is probably completely different than all of the sides that they see as players. But, uh, you know, if any of them watch TV, if any of them see what we see, then there's going to be an element of, I think, probably maybe, maybe disrespect, you know, you see it in the pictures, but I don't know if that's also just like a part of the, like, the same, let the kids play, let the players have emotions, let them, if they want to be upset about being taken out of the game, you know, there's people that kind of celebrate that. Uh, maybe it's the same people that celebrate, you know, hitting the big walk-off, throwing the bats, you know, all all of that. The Showing emotions is a, is a part of baseball. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I mean... We look at things from a certain angle as fans and we see decisions that are made. And one of the more frustrating things, obviously, about being a fan is that you don't know the the nuance to decisions. You don't know what conversations are happening uh, in the clubhouse. You don't know where players are at. You don't know so many details about what leads to a decision. So we see, you know, we see Espinal try to make those bun attempts and we just think that that's, you know, a standalone moment where Charlie made it just a horrible decision. We see chat would mm-hmm. come out and we think that it's a, you know, a bad decision. Um, but that's all we can really go on. And we can, we can take some guesses at some things that may or may not be happening, but I, I certainly don't think Charlie has alpha status with that team. Right. One thing that I wonder about, you know, and and a question that I would ask Charlie is if do they have numbers on like bunting percentage or like what expected bunt percentage is? Because I guess in Charlie's mind, it's like it's got to be way higher than 200 and whatever uh, Espinal's batting average is, right? We're taking some math and we're thinking he's got a chance if he doesn't make this, even if he fouls it off with two outs. Somehow that percentage is higher than 213 or whatever the hell Espen. Like, I want to see some, I want to understand that. Like, is, is bunting that supposed to be that much easier? And is like, is that like a prehistoric or is like, is that a, a past part of baseball? Like, players don't know how to bunt anymore. And like, when they did in Charlie's younger days and his, you know, coming up as a manager in, in Durham, like, are people just were they just way better at bunting and bunting is supposed to be easier than hitting? I don't. But it, but it, for me, it's not. It's not even that. I mean, there, there's a, that's a that's a massive element of it. But it was the fact that Tampa Bay had their infield drawn in so tight too when Espinal was at the plate. So it's not like you take Espinal's say 250 batting average, which is not even that bad a batting average, especially this year. Um, you take mm-hmm. his 250 batting average, but then you could say to yourself. What would Espinal's 250 batting average be if every time he came up to the plate, the infield was drawn in? 
Because when the infield's drawn in like that, your percentages of getting a hit go up because you can snap a sharp ground ball that would likely be a ground ball out in normal circumstances. But with the infield drawn in like that, there's so many more opportunities for him to get something done. And, you know, take a shot at a bunt. Go ahead. Take a shot at a bunt. But don't throw away an at-bat with a bunt on every single pitch, and especially with two strikes. Like, mm-hmm. my God, he, it, when you watch him bunt, you're like, he doesn't know how to bunt. And I don't know who gets blamed for that. I don't know if, you know, there was a bunt practice that Espinal didn't show up for and then everyone was like, hey, man, you need to show up for those practices. Or if it's just something they don't fucking work on, but they expect people to know how to do it, even though in today's baseball, guys whip the ball and have crazy movement, but just figure out how to bunt in a massive moment. I don't know what it is, but I just I fail to see how the percentages for him bunting on every pitch in that app bat were in the Blue Jays' favor. Yeah. I mean, unless they have, like, I don't know, weekly, every other day that they get, like, Jordan Romano to go out there and be like, all right, Jordan's going to pitch for everyone. We're going to go one time through the order. It's going to be Jordan's going to do his bullpen today. And you guys are going to use it as bunting practice. So let's see what you guys can do. Let's see where we're all at. You know, see see if we can use this maybe in a in a super high leverage, really important moment. And uh, if not, maybe we'll go back to trying to hit the ball where, where you swing it. And it's the same stroke that you try and do and you practice every single day, many, many times a day. And it seems like from the outside that they just drop a couple bunts at the end of BP and that that's their bunting practice. And it's just with John Schneider, you know, lobbing, like lobbing the ball down the middle. And they're like, I got my bunt down. All right, we're good. I'm good to bunt whenever. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we could have told you, you know, every, uh, I don't know if we talked about it, but. I feel like from the beginning, we've been skeptical of this bullpen. You know, it's, it was like we were touting it, the best bullpen in baseball for a while. You know, I feel like we said the same thing last year and the same thing also happened last year. Maybe not this disastrously all at one time, but there was a major fall off of these guys who like, again, like some of these guys have, are, are coming from AAA or, or like barely have been seen. So, of course, they have a great couple of weeks when no one's seen them and they've got a little bit of video. We're facing the, the, the Rays all the time. We're facing the, the Red Sox frequently. These guys are going to start figuring out how to, how to t- 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 tee up on these... these not, I'm not going to say nobodies, but... Well, the, their bullpen doesn't even need to be outstanding. The Blue Jays came back a bunch today. They had a big clutch home run by Vladdy to tie the game. They had a big clutch home run by Marcus Simeon to tie the game. This offense can make up for a lot of poor performances from the bullpen, but it can't be every day all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like and and yeah, like we got lucky, no doubt. We got lucky with the bullpen up until like a week ago. And it was house money, and maybe we didn't deserve all of that success. But it just burns. It fucking burns to waste some of the offensive performances that we've gotten in these, in these last few days and to constantly 
just give up tie games and leads for you know an entire week, and then you go into mm-hmm. New York with a red hot Yankees team as well. Yeah, and I guess like yes, Merriweather's out. I think we could have planned for that. I think we expect <laughs> we all had to expect that a little bit, right? Phelps is out. Phelps was Phelps was great. Malone's out. Nobody knows who he is. But and and who who else? And we had we had Dolis out, and we've got Baraki out now. So there are some guys that we're missing. But damn, let's just start. Yeah, like you're saying, the the offense can make up for even just mediocre bullpen outings if if guys just let the hitters get themselves out or or get hits you know like by just throwing balls that gets get called for strikes because because you can't do anything if you just walk 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 you walk in not one run you know you don't walk in two runs you know you just like a grand slam of walks yeah, I needed I needed to see we were talking about this. I needed to see some fire today and you saw it with Vladdy hitting his bombs and you know jumping down the first baseline and yelling into his dugout, but I needed more than that. I needed to see some sort of bench clearing incident, some sort of mm-hmm. I'm not saying like hit a guy, but you know, hit a guy. I am. I said it. <laughs> um, I don't care. And uh, to get these guys fired up and and I mean, we're going to talk. I, I, I do hope that we, we, we get into a very detailed and deserved conversation about Vladdy because we can't just crap on everything and be disheartened about everything because there's, there's definitely some very positive things that are, that are going on right now. But it, it's just like somebody's spitting in your mouth and eyes over these last six games it's it's the worst way to lose it's the absolute worst way to lose Mm -hmm. we to be able to 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 fuck things up so bad that vlad can be the best player in baseball (laughs) the best player in baseball across all like all of the stats He's leading the league in war. He's tied for home runs. He's, he's demolishing baseballs. He's walking. He's not striking out. He's playing fine defense at first. It, it just goes you to, I mean, Mike Trout's been the best player in, in baseball forever, and they don't make the playoffs. But we don't just have Vlad. Marcus Simeon is like been the best player in baseball in May. Right? I mean, who who else has been good? Bo's, but I, I I haven't seen much good from Bo lately. Bo, I mean, Bo's had Bo's had a pretty good month, but he's definitely been a bit bit rough. Teoscar's been amazing. Teoscar's been amazing. Te, like Teoscar's the most like the fact that like we haven't even said it about Teoscar till now is so telling to how good this team is offensively because Teoscar is incredible. And Randall Grishuk's been okay. He's obviously taken a bit of a dip from his hot start, but you shouldn't need uh, Randall Grishuk to be amazing. You know, uh, Lourdes Gurriel is starting to pick things up. He had a home run today. He's been batting like 400 in the last week. Danny Jansen's not yep. an absolute dud anymore. You know, he's, he is, you know, he is well, he's not as much like he was like a cadaver at the plate for the first for the first <laughs> yeah. while and now he's just a man on life support like there's a little bit of a a little bit of a yeah. shift with him 
Um, I, I would say, you know, like for as much as I love Santiago Espinal, he, he's taking a little bit of a dip. He's kicking some balls in the infield. Is uh, He's starting to not be as productive at, at, the, at the plate, I suppose. But again, when you've got these guys who are studs of baseball, Man, now is the time to capitalize on it. I don't know what needs to happen. If a move needs to be, you move needs to be made. You got to bring up Manoa. Maybe, uh, maybe you got to make a trade. I don't know, but you don't want to waste a team that is this deadly offensively. Mm-hmm. And you're you're not you're not even exaggerating when you say Vlad's the best. He he's definitely the best offensive player in baseball, and you can't even argue that. <laughs> yeah, especially with Mike Trout gone. Yeah, like out for a while. I was thinking about that during the game. I was like, is this what it's like to be an Angels fan? <laughs> is this just sort of what your what your season is like? You you watch this, you're so privileged to be able to watch like one of the these offensive performances that are is so unique and and very exciting, but then you lose all the time. If you're Castro or Bergen, like can you even look Vladdy in the eye after what he did today? <laughs> I don't know what that's like. That that's a really good question. I don't. I wonder what. I wonder what that is like. I Castro's performance definitely is not on the same level as the Bergen performance. Um, and I I don't I and I truly don't think that Vladdy is um somebody that shuts you out and that makes you feel like shit in the clubhouse. I think that he's very inclusive. I think that he's, I, I really truly do think we have this incredible guy in our team who's a great leader and we're going to just kind of see it develop over years. But I, I imagine they don't want to look at themselves in the mirror. I imagine it's a yeah. horrific feeling. I imagine they just feel, especially because there's got to be all this talk leading up to after you lose so many games, like, all right, you know, today's the day, like, or we like get it together today. We get, and then you do it again and again and again. And then like, you're the guy who was a part of doing it again. And then after Simeon hits the, I actually would think it would be harder to look Simeon in the eyes for some reason. Yeah. Simeon too, especially, I always think about him because he's always like on the steps while Maguire Davis and Espinal are up to bat like just like wonder if any if these guys are gonna like it do I even bother putting my stuff on (laughs) should I put this 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 hitting guard on or pick up my bat I don't think so (laughs) you know or he he knows that that if he's if he's coming up third in in the order he's coming up with nobody out to nobody on two outs and has to try and save the game himself I think about that sometimes if that's like for team camaraderie or if it's like a superstition in baseball, because you'll see guys, you know, with two outs and you'll see, you know, people who are up third with two outs in a team that's not playing well, hitting the ball well, and they'll have the, all their gear on and they'll be sitting there. And I'm like, is that just for team rapport or is it just protocol? Because there's just no way that they think they're getting up. My God, I'm still, I'm still buzzing here, man. I'm still, it was because that's also the first time we've seen, maybe not the first time, but really seeing like, you know, we see highlights all the time. You see 
uh, Tatis with a video game because of the way that he reacts after he hits a home run and throws the bat and looks into his dugout and tries to fire up his team. We saw it in the in the playoffs last season and seen like how how a personality, how a star is built around that kind of attitude. Same with Acuna. It's attitude. And, and we don't really like, that isn't who Vlad has been or really has been able to have been because he's such a gregarious, such like a jolly guy. But to, to now, it's going to be interesting as his star continues to just ascend, just, just, it's a rocket to the moon right now. And he just keeps getting better and keeps now experiencing what he's been experiencing his whole life of being so much better than even the best players, like the top 30 guys or guys that can make a major league team. And now just being that like levels above them to see like him try and galvanize the team and be like, look, I'm hitting the home run. I'm I'm doing everything I can. Let's get it. Come on, let's fucking go. Do you, and I, I, the, when I say this, I'm not trying in any way to take anything away from Vladdy. I love Vladdy more than I even care to admit, and he has lifted my spirits so much over this uh, season. Just watching him develop. But did you think at all when he was? Uh, holding the bat after his home run all the way down to first, giving it a toss and yelling into the dugout. Like that was very Tatis and Acuna. And do you think that Vladdy is influenced by that or that that's just that maybe like when you play baseball and you have a big moment and you're all fired up, that that's just sort of the natural thing that you want to do in those moments. Or do you think that he was, uh, maybe subconsciously even uh, mimicking those those players i think that it's i think it's what happens when you become the fucking man <laughs> you know what i mean when you are the guy and you start clutching up and you start winning games on your own when you start putting teams on your back and you start having confidence that you're going to be able to do that and then when you execute after that you are on top of the world you want to you want to put all of that energy somewhere and you baseball like it's not like hockey you score a goal and you go and you smash smash your helmets together like in hockey or whatever the hell they do you know you're on your own and you got to let that out somehow yeah it it is weird in baseball that you are on your own for that celebration like it's very it's it's vulnerable and uh you know it's it's dramatic and it's exciting it's exciting when a guy gives over to the moment and and show like for you know as we're talking about mike trout he he will never do that he will never i mean you know prove me wrong world series he he walks it off You, you never know He's never done something like that when he when he hits a home run. Um, do you think that that was sort of, uh, in a way, fitting that that's how their time in Dunedin ended? It would also be fitting if they just went on an eight-game win streak to me and were just like, sayonara, Florida. It's nice to know you. We're on to bigger things. But now it's like, you know, the movie plot is on, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I guess like the underdogs live. I I hear that and I I guess in some weird like karmic way I wonder 
with all those Dunedin specials, like the Blue Jays started to get a very opposite field approach in this last week. And it was, it was fun to watch. It's a very dynamic way that their offense has sort of shifted over this last week. And I started to wonder if they weren't doing it to take advantage of the Dunedin wind. And mm-hmm. because that wind is a, it's like a little uh, invisible green monster. Like it's a little almost cheap trick. And the Blue Jays had so many Dunedin specials offensively. They also had so many, you know, both Dunedin specials in the fact that the wind takes the ball, but also in the fact that the outfielders fuck it up because the ball's like caught in some kind of wind tunnel. And it was almost just like uh, in some weird way, I was wondering if like the karma came back to them and then, and then they just ran into just a series of, uh, it's it's not that I'm saying that their their four game sweep against the Rays was bad luck, but just like a comeuppance of sorts. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to move on. And I wonder if they're going to keep that opposite field approach when they go to New York, when they go to Cleveland, when they come back around and and they start playing in Buffalo again. I hope that they do, but I I wondered if their that opposite field approach wasn't just Dunedin related. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure. Well, it'll work in New York, right? We got the short porch out there, and and right, we can still be going for it there. I think. I, I'm done with Dunedin. I'm sick of it. I, I there's a fucking bird on the mic all the goddamn game. It's just twerping and tweeting away. I'm done with the wind. I'm done with the fact that everybody they play is the home team. Like they had the Tampa Bay fans. They had the Red Sox fans. I'm good with being done with Dunedin. Do I want them to come to Toronto? Of course I do, but let's move on. I'm done with it. Yeah. I mean, even the camera that looks like the main camera, the, the, the pitcher and hitter, like main viewing camera it's so windy up on that thing that it's constantly like shaking like it <laughs> makes you nauseous when you look at it yeah i got people texting me my brothers text me what the hell is wrong with the cameras <laughs> and then i and then you see like behind home plate you see the guy out there manning the camera and his clothes are like blowing off and he's up like way up in the sky having to try and like hold on to this camera for dear life to try and keep a shot on. And then they have to keep cutting away and showing all these other angles like just to just to not make people puke while they're watching it. It's going to be interesting to see how they do adapt because as they were showing on the broadcast, Vladdy's numbers at home, he's got like a 1300 OPS and then on the road, it's like eight 830. Yeah, (laughs) which is still good. It's still good, but it's not uh, what we're uh, becoming accustomed to, like this MVP level type play from from Vladdy. So I, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of players play better at home, but it's not really like you can consider. Oh, he plays better at home because the fans. No, that doesn't even exist. It's got to be the win. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The wind, (laughs) the the atmosphere, the being in your own clubhouse. You know, there's coming to from your place, even if it's rented, you've been there for a while. You've got your facilities. Like Vladdy also played double A there, and I'm pretty sure he had a four hundred average when he played for uh the double A team. Yeah. He's gonna have a nearly four hundred average on the season. If I said to you right now, uh, you know, I know money is such a tight, tight thing right now, but if I said to you 
uh, a hundred bucks for 10 times odds. So you win a thousand bucks and the bet is Vladdy 300 average, 40 home runs, a hundred RBIs. Yeah, sure. I take it. We we picked I, Vladdy to win the batting title, and I feel like he's going to. I know. I I did the calculations during the game, and uh, roughly he's on pace for fifty two home runs and one hundred and thirty four RBIs. Yeah. Wow. Wow. He's obviously going to cool down. Maybe. Maybe not. I, I don't he know. If that's just true. figuring I out. I feel true. like they fucking matched the just, ball in Buffalo last year too. Yeah. For sure. And I think also just Vladdy's like just putting things together and realizing that he can basically choose to hit home runs. Sort of like that moment in the Matrix when Neo realizes like how it all works. And it's sort of like Vladdy's going through that right now. He's like, oh, I can see the ball differently now. And we're just sort of witnessing. He's going to be able to hit two home runs at the same time, like when Neo starts being able to fight multiple people with a hand, one hand blocking this guy, bop, 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 bop. He's going to have two bats. He's going to swing in a batting practice, two pitchers throwing, and he's going to whack them underhand, swings both of them like nunchucks and hit two home runs. For the first time ever. For the first time ever. He is the one. 23 and 23 cannot drop below 500. Cannot drop below 500. My brother has been texting me about that. You are cursing the Blue Jays. Me? When you talk, you, you talked about them taking first place. You talked about them not going below 500. Um, he, he wants you to stop making predictions. Look, I want to stop making predictions too. You think I don't feel that that's happening, but it's just the kind of dog I am. Some golden retrievers, they like to run on the beach. I'm the type of dog that likes to make bold predictions and then just get excited about the possibility. They're not going below 500. Today's episode of Underdogs is brought to you by Tommy John Underwear. Get some surgery on your elbow and slip into some underwear. Same guys that do the surgeries are now making underwears. His name's Tommy John. Come slip them on. They got they got tennis. You can you can just slip your balls into the little pouch. Feels good. What is the point in a Tommy John underwear commercial like that? Like we're watching baseball here. Okay. So I'm going to take a guess. A lot of us are just slopped on the couch, drinking some beers. And we have to look at this ripped 40 year old oh model God. in his underwear, walk around be like, get Tommy John underwear. So like, you think I think I look like that in those underwear, man, just show <laughs> me some sort of chubby dude. Like just show me. Pete Walker in those underwear and just so we can all kind of relate. Otherwise, I don't even know what I'm looking at. I don't even know what I'm trying to buy. I'm not buying those underwear. They do look comfortable, man. It looks like like when you remember when you saw Under Armour for the first time when they invented like compression shorts? I don't remember that, but I do like compression shorts. 
And you're like, what is this texture? It's like smooth, it's stretchy, it's tight, but it feels kind of cooling at the same time. It, that's what I feel about those Tommy John's things. And when they put those ping pong balls that rep- represent the testicles inside, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I'm interested in them. Of course, we all want to look like that guy. Of course we do. But it's just not, mm-hmm. it's just not realistic. It's just not, it's just not what I want to see on a Monday afternoon when I'm neck and wine yeah. at and he's like he he's like frying eggs or like he's getting pans out of the kitchen and he's just wearing the underwear it's all for show man that dude doesn't eat he doesn't eat anything <laughs> he's just fucking two fingers down the throat and water <laughs> hey, there was a moment i caught uh the 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 ross stripling start you know, it's funny. My notes go back this far. You don't mean today, though. You mean his last one. The the Boston one where he got just demolished. There was a moment, and again, this is another, another thing for John Boy to check out because I was certain, like I was watching the most disrespectful moment caught on camera where Kike Hernandez is talking to Verdugo in the dugout afterwards, and I swear, Kike was like, explaining to Verdugo how everyone in in LA knew that Stripling was done and that specifically one of his pitches was cooked and that Kike told him about this and saying like yeah we couldn't believe when the Blue Jays wanted him like everyone was could like we we were just ready we were so psyched that he was leaving the team and like you you, you could see i told you man you you just just tosses out that curveball you just sit on the curveball you destroy it it was <laughs> it was crazy i, I, I got to give stripling a little bit of props today had a good outing today no doubt you can't you can't argue that but uh now let's rip him um The thing about Stripling that drives me the most crazy isn't even his pitching. It's his post-game interviews. And Buck and Tabby were praising his post-game interviews today, being like, Mm -hmm. I've never seen a player be so honest. It's so refreshing. It's like, is he um, uh, honest or is he just sort of indifferent about what he's doing and just sort of speaking about it mundanely? Like after the uh, games, he's always like, yeah, you know, my changeup wasn't working. I really didn't have any pitches. I didn't really have command of my fastball. And so, you know, I let up a bunch of runs. Uh, I didn't know how to locate any of my off-speed pitches. And my fastball was up and they were crushing it. It's like, okay. that I mean, that to me is like Buck and Tabby are saying, oh, he's so honest. That to me is not honest. That's just factual information about his <laughs> outing. I want to know what's honest is about why he doesn't care about his job. That's what I want to know. I want to be like, my wife yelled at me today and I think she's having an affair and it's really occupying most of the thoughts in my mind. <laughs> that's that's what I want to hear. The, the one thing that I'll say in a rebuttal of that is that I felt the same way up until today where because up until today every time he's saying it wasn't working for me i'm like no dude it's done (laughs) you're not gonna figure it out it's done and then today he goes out there and 
you know, they were gassing him up yesterday or whatever before the start today saying that he figured some shit out or Pete Walker told him what he told Jay Happ and like how he fixed all the old dudes and makes them good pitchers and they finally decided to share that info with, with Stripper this time and he's going to be good, so get ready. And then he was, so then I'm like, okay, I guess I, guess I can still maybe l- listen to you after a game when you say that you're working on your things weren't working and you're gonna figure you're gonna work on something to make it work because it can work and i guess it it is possible he's not completely cooked the chicken strips can still be eaten did you call him stripper yeah i call him stripper that's a good name we're gonna call him the stripper chicken strips is okay but i don't know who else coined that. I've, i've heard it before but his his name's now stripper yeah, because he because he strips himself raw in his post game interviews and lets you know what the <laughs> truth the truth of his outing was the stripper what he lacks in baseball athleticism he makes up in stripper truth <laughs> and he dances on a pole <laughs> also he's a legitimate stripper after the games if he loses the team makes him strip. Rates.ca. We got into those advertisements about, I know you don't know it's rates.ca, and you know them better as the disgusting or annoying and incessant um, milked Jeff ads or the really gross car with udders that that dispenses milk into cereal or, or coffee cups. With a with with a couple of freaks in the commercials and and they're talking about how you don't want to get milked. Well, we talked about it last episode, and uh, there was some interesting developments that happened on Twitter. I posted the episode on Twitter last week, and I guess it came up in some algorithm, some some Twitter alert for rates.ca because we we you know the description of the episode was in the tweet and in we were talking about how we rage about the freshly milked jeff ads we don't even say rates.ca we just say freshly milked jeff ads and lo and behold after we post that uh rates.ca replies to that episode on twitter saying what do you got against milk while you're over there raging about Jeff, we're over here raging about expensive car insurance. P.S. We're a rates comparison website. And I was excited. Oh, my God. I, not only did they respond to us, they obviously listened to enough of the episode to know some of our takes and our thoughts about the ads to when we're talking, saying that we don't know actually what they're for when they say PS we're a race comparison website. So we get back on Twitter <laughs> and I just, I went into the Google images search and I got, I got a little Google image of, uh, of uh, this little Danny DeVito looking man with some bubbles glasses on milking an udder, a hairy, disgusting udder with milk squirting out into it, into a coffee cup. Um, 
and I just said, you did this. And <laughs> they responded with a screenshot of, of our episode description and just the episode in general from the podcatcher, from, from their iTunes or podcasts app that says, you did this. And <laughs> I don't know what they meant by that, but I felt like they really nailed us. And <laughs> I felt got. I felt uh, I felt proud of rates.ca actually. So I tweeted back at them. I responded to rates.ca. And uh they came right back with a little gif of uh of a handshake. Some 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 hands shaking and I got to thinking and Je David and I got to thinking and we said we got to talk to rates.ca about this. We got to we got to settle the score. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta get them on the podcast. And so I responded at rates.ca. Do you guys want to come on the podcast and tell our listeners how to not be Jeffs and get milked on car insurance? Promise to be nice and give you guys a fun platform to spread the word on insurance. Then I tweeted again. Could be the start of something special. This starts. This starts catching on on Twitter. There's some likes happening. We get a response from someone else saying, I need this rates.ca exclusive interview. Rates.ca responds. Game on. Check your DMs at Underdogs Canada with a smiling wink face. Rates.ca is coming on Underdogs. We are doing a show with rates.ca. It'll be the first ever guest we've had on Underdogs, and it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm not setting out to be combative or anything like that with rates.ca. I just want to I wanna know. I just want to know what goes into Milky Milky Jeff and why, why those decisions were made and maybe what other decisions could have been made. Now you said you promised to be nice. Well, I'm not sure. Like we'll see where it gets to, but this is at least amicable in its in its infancy. Uh-huh. Yes. It's it's I don't know. I'm going to obviously listen to the ads again before we start. We'll see what kind of mood that puts me in. <laughs> see how fired up I get. We'll see if I've listened to any Sportsnet show or if I've had the radio on and the, the frequency of those ads get to me before we start. So but people out I, there that might, that might say, oh, I would have thought the first guest on Underdogs would have been maybe a ball player, maybe a coach, maybe uh, a reporter, maybe mm -mm. somebody else who talks baseball, but nah, -uh, not on Underdogs because rates.ca is also an underdog because if you want people to actually subscribe to your business and your product but then you go ahead and put these milky ads on the both radio and television you're an underdog because you've already mm -hmm. set yourself up against failure and so you're an underdog come on underdogs we're gonna hash it out they're obviously freaks and weirdos and i can get behind that like to do what they do to not only do what they do but to get involved with us who are clearly just like, I mean, I, I would say there is vitriol hate, <laughs> you know, like, like passionate anger towards what they are doing. 
and they they got involved on Twitter. You know, they yeah, felt they, like they were the underdogs. Yeah, it is hard to keep the hate when they're sort of affable in this way. But I'm going to try to keep the hate as long as possible. I'm going to come with the hate and then just see where the relationship leads to. But all of that is going to be on the next episode. We don't want, I don't have a date for you guys here. We're working things out. We're going back and forth with the rates.ca social. And it's, it's also like it is rates.ca. It's not the, it's not the, the, uh, zebra alpha kilo or whatever zeta. Don't let it beat you. Don't let it beat. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's not the people who created the ad. So we'll see how much questions they can answer about the intentions behind the ads, all of that stuff. But if you guys have questions that you want us to ask, things that you want to know from raids.ca or you want to kind of, you know, send in some, some comments or questions for us, get in our, get in our ads or, or DMs, slip, slip, slip some lube on and slide right in to our DMs on Twitter at underdogs Canada, or you can, I guess I mean keep keep giving us reviews <laughs> and interact <laughs> as questions of rates.ca in the underdogs review section. I guess that's that's how we do that. Dunk yourself um, in some milk and slip right into our DMs is what we're saying. Yeah. But you can look forward to that on the next episode. Um we're gonna We got the Yankees coming, David. Or we're going to the Bronx. We're, we, we're, the Yankees have the Blue Jays coming. We are we going to turn things around? Well, we're going up against Corey Kluber, who I think has not had an outing since he threw a no-hitter. Not that no-hitters are that big a deal this year. It feels like most people are Nobody throwing no-hitters. But we got Mats in New York. He has not... I don't think he's pitched in New York since he left New York. I don't know if... If 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 he's gonna have the cojones to to manage his emotions in the in the Big Apple where he was shunned, but we got to turn it around because a we ain't dropping below five hundred. B we got the right field approach, short porch in New York. Our offense is rolling. We just need a little bit, just a little bit more luck from the bullpen, just a little bit better performances and. Uh, we just need it can't it can't stay like this. Nothing nothing like nothing in the world stays like this. It's got to shift. If I was the New York Yankees, if I was a player on the New York Yankees, I would be talking to MLB, I would be talking to my manager being like, "Listen, this is this is what players are like now. I don't care if it's disrespectful. I have purchased on Amazon a bomb siren, one of those World War 2 uh, you spin it with your arm to let the 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 city know that bombs are incoming. I would get that, and I would start. I would start doing that as if I was a Yankee. Say I would do that while Stephen Matz was warming up, getting getting <laughs> getting the all of the people of the Bronx ready for the fact that 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 shelling is going to happen if Stephen Matz or. Oh, I guess I just want, I just, I'm worried about Steven Matz in New York is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, uh, long, long story short, I'm, uh, I know I did bring up World War II sirens uh, upon his uh, starting performance, but what I'm saying is I'm just worried that maybe he lets up a few runs. Um, no, Jacob. No. 
I'm not with you on that. I'm not with you because Steven Matz is going to go into New York. He's going to look the devil down the eyes and he's going to throw the ball down the devil's throat. And mm-hmm. these Toronto mm-hmm. Blue Jays are going to start. And now I don't know who's texting you about my predictions and saying I'm ruining the Blue Jays time, season, whatever. These Blue Jays are going to go on a three-game winning streak. Oh, no. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Everybody, thank you for listening. <laughs> You've been listening to Underdogs. We're signing off now before things get worse. We'll see you next time. Message us about rates.ca. We love you. Good night. Thank <laughs> you.